without a sense of expectation, there can be no proper preparation. Today begins a new season, a new church year, where Matthew is our primary storyteller of Jesus' life and ministry. Matthew's gospel shares much in common with Mark and Luke, though there are some important pieces of the wider Jesus story that only Matthew gives us, particularly in these seasons of Advent and Christmas. For example, only in Matthew do we hear the story about Joseph also receiving a vision from an angel telling him what to expect and what to do when his fiancée gets the news that she will bear the Son of God. Matthew gives us Joseph's story and perspective on that whole event, which Luke does not. And then after Jesus' birth, only Matthew recounts the travels of wise men from the east who came with their expensive gifts to worship the toddler Jesus. There are no shepherds in Matthew, but there are wise ones and their gifts of opulence and extravagance poured out to worship the one true God. So Matthew's version of the Jesus story ushers us into this season of waiting and preparing for the coming of Christ through stories of dreams, disillusionments, adjusting expectations, and encountering the new life that God is birthing. We need these four weeks of Advent to enter into an Advent state of mind that will help us prepare for what is coming and to ask the question today, what are we really expecting in this season? What are we preparing for, really? Are we waiting on miracles, on angels, on presents? The quality of our expectations informs the quality of our Advent. And so Matthew introduces us, trying to be helpful to this state of preparation and expectation. Though with the passage from the 24th chapter of the Gospel, it may not sound like much help. Thankfully, we heard Luke's version of this end of the world a couple of weeks ago, so maybe it's not the biggest shock to hear. The world is ending, just as we're beginning to decorate our homes and our sanctuaries and welcome the gift of God. But Matthew and Jesus are not interested that four weeks from Wednesday is Christmas Day. Their sense of time is not driven by the markets or Black Friday or Small Business Saturday or Cyber Monday sales. It's all of us who feel that pull and that uncomfortable clash of narratives and an experience we feel to just escape into the nostalgia of Christmas carols and holiday traditions when we hear stories like this one on the first Sunday in Advent, where Jesus talks about the Son of Man coming at an unexpected hour, like the flood that killed all but Noah's family, and a thief in the night. But I think the point that Jesus is trying to make 
is the same point we need to hear in the particular times in which we live. Keep awake. Keep awake. But not in the sense of hypervigilance, as if being awake can prevent us from being flooded or burgled. In the 21st century that we live in, it's very difficult to be surprised by weather events. The Weather Channel makes sure we know two weeks out what the weather will be. And with ADT and all of these blank alarm camera doorbells, we know who is on our property most, if not all, of the time. Even little critters that set them off. So we, it's, it's very hard to be caught off guard by rainstorms or burglars. But of course, Jesus isn't talking about a literal reading. Rather, Jesus is telling this story, reminding the disciples of Noah and what it might be like for a homeowner to have an unexpected guest, responding to their question, how will we know when the end of the age has arrived? And Jesus is saying, well, no one knows. I don't even know. So in the meantime, they, the disciples, and we, as disciples, have a choice to either continue living life as usual, unaware, not questioning the social systems around us, accepting that's just the way things are, or we can let this story shock us into living a more awake, aware, and authentic life, where we are prepared for unexpected entrances, appearances, and revelation, looking for God in the unexpected places in our world and in our own lives. If we let it, Advent signals the end of the world as we know it, but the beginning of the world as God knows it. If we let it, Advent signals the hope and possibility of a fresh start, a resetting of our default mode, the way we were intended to be with each other in the world that aligns with how God intends all things to be. And Jesus describes that just a few verses later in Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and will be separated, one from another, as a shepherd separates sheep and goats. Then he will say to those on his right hand, Come and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. That is our default mode. That is how we were created to be with one another, 
to recognize the face of Christ in each other, and to do love, to share kindness and show compassion, because that's what we do, not bothering to separate each other out into categories, but just being love in the world. So Advent is this season of practicing the discipline of being reset, of our priorities and our expectations and our intentions, aligning them to be more in line with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I will confess, I don't do all those things on a daily or even monthly basis. I get comfortable. I get busy. I get tired. And I was brought up to be afraid of strangers. So I need this story to shock me, to make me aware of the excuses that I give that keep me from making relationships and seeing Jesus and those I meet. I need a new approach to Advent. And I think it would do all of us good as well to explore a new way of being this holiday season. So what does living with an Advent state of mind look like for you? I can't answer that question for you, but it's one to ponder. What are the expectations that add to the quality of our Advent work? I suggest there are three ways that we can prepare our hearts and lives to make room for the Christ child. And you can add to the list. First, like Jesus says, keep awake. Wake up from the dollar-induced dreams and market-driven wish lists that start heating up this time of year. The one who is awake is alive to the adventure of living accountably with God. Keep awake to what is most important, Realizing how we spend our money, our time, our abilities. That realization is a chance to make of ourselves a place where Jesus is welcomed and cared for. And second, this Advent state of living also looks like a little dissatisfaction. A little holy discontent with the way things are at present. For there's too much at stake now not to be dissatisfied with the privileges and powers that be that discount a new star is rising in the sky. One who is dissatisfied with the present disagrees with the popular urge to normalize a present where leadership qualities are based on loyalty, financial contributions, and like-minded worldview. Instead, we keep awake We practice some holy trouble, as Representative John Lewis is fond of saying, so that those who are most vulnerable, those who are most like Jesus, know they are seen and welcomed and cared for. And we ask the question of ourselves, how can my time and place resemble a place for God to be born? 
And then third, this Advent state of living also has a focused imagination. A vision that sees God operating in the world and then living like the world is how God made it. The prophets did this all the time. Isaiah was a master at it, as we heard read this morning. Mary did this in the Magnificat. But it also happens in our world every day. We humans have the capacity to imagine what we want and then work for it. That's how HGTV and DIY and Chip and Joanna Gaines make all their money and their energy goes into this capitalization and working on this desire. When we imagine something, we work to make it happen. We make decisions. We arrange our priorities. We make things happen. So it can be with Advent. A focused imagination is the heartbeat of faith. Seeing the world, our community, and ourselves through God's eyes. And all the possibilities and choices for the futures we have. A focused imagination sees the end of the world as we know it and the beginning of the world as God knows it. Advent is a time to hunger and thirst for the arrival of God's promise. Emmanuel, God with us, God who never leaves us, God who tells us this same story every year anyway so that we get one more chance to get it. So that every year we have the chance to say every heart, prepare him room. Hold nothing back. Advent is the time to welcome the shock and the adventure of keeping awake being a little dissatisfied over the present and remaining focused in our imagination, wondering where will we meet God next? Yes, the quality of our expectations informs the quality of our advent. So how will you prepare yourself to be a place for God to be born? Amen. Amen.